Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Min, joined as always by my co-host and producer to the stars, Chris Brito. Draymond Green's immediate NBA future is in doubt. So is Donovan Mitchell's, perhaps. We'll also talk the Clippers highs and the Pistons lows. But before we get to all that, Chris, a lot of NBA action, but how are you? Hey, Stevie. Happy to be here in the, another episode of the All Hoops Podcast. Uh, we just had Jalen Brunson score 50 points uh, Friday night against the uh, Phoenix Suns. We, we're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell. We're going to talk about Draymond Green. Um, but really quickly, back to Jalen. How incredible was that performance, Stevie? I mean, it was awesome. Uh, he was doing everything. He was getting other guys involved. He had a couple of plays where he had this one play where he just, like, stole the ball off a big, had an easy layup dunk the other end, and then sees Randall hustling down with him on a two-on-nothing and just dishes the ball off to Randall. Like there could have been more points for Brunson and just like his unselfishness allowed him, in my opinion, to get those points because like they're not playing him tight because he could drive past you and kick it, kick it to somebody. He could kick it to something. Like, he just was so amazing in that game. Obviously the shooting is what we'll remember. Nine of nine from three, the first Nick to do that since Latrell Sprewell in 2003. Chris, I mean, this is the best Nick since Carmelo in his first couple years with the Knicks, it's been amazing. He should be an all-star for sure. You can make a very strong case for all NBA. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how all NBA plays out because there's so many amazing guards in this league, but now all NBA for the first time is positionless. So in theory, you could put three guards on an all third team. And I think because of that, that's going to help Brunson's case for all NBA while maybe hurting a guy like Julius Randles. Yeah. Um, I don't know about all NBA, but I will say Jalen Brunson is like definitely at least an all-star um, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but like you're saying, like the Knicks are in like this weird place where they're like not good enough, but also not bad enough. But then there are nights like Friday night against the Suns where you sort of think that if Jalen is maybe 20, a little like 10% less than this, like we have a chance every night. And that's how it sometimes feels generally, generally with these, with these Knicks, like you at least have a chance to beat them. I'm glad we beat a good team for a change. And uh, really quickly, before we start going into the other topics, um, the Knicks are in the middle of a West coast. Yeah. They, they face the Clippers on Saturday night. And then they face the Lakers Sunday, uh, Monday night, and then the Nets um, on the way back home. Yeah. They are one and one right now. What would make this trip successful for you? To me, this what makes this trip successful is everyone stays healthy and you don't lose the last three. Uh, if you win one of those two uh, against the Clippers and the Lakers, that's to me a big win. Uh, obviously then you go home or not home, but you're, you're in Brooklyn to play the nets. That would be a game I would like to win. So if you can go two and one and be very happy one and two, you're fine. Oh, and three, it's not ideal, but again, long regular season to go. They already got a big win that they should have gotten. Uh, I want to push back on the Brunson all NBA thing. Have you looked at these numbers? He's averaging 25.6 points a game, six assists, 
46% from three, you know, overall this, his PR is over 20. Now, this is a guy who's playing at an elite level. He's definitely an all-star if the, if the, if the voting was today, I think if the voting was today for all NBA, he's in there too. Um, this has been an unbelievable start to the season. He's having the best start to a season a Knicks guard has ever had since Walt Clyde Frazier. And that was now 50 years ago. So <laughs> just, I just really wanted to take a moment and just appreciate what Brunson's done because, you know, we always talk about like, oh, let's trade for that star. Let's trade for this star. We got a star who just was willing to come here at a free agency that had a very limited market for whatever reason and wanted to be here. And the Knicks deserve a ton of credit for bringing him in. He deserves a ton of credit for betting on himself. You know, he could have stayed in Dallas. He could have signed a four-year, $53 million deal, you know, six months before his free agency. And, you know, as a guy who was a second-round pick, that's life-changing money. No tax in Texas. I was his parent or something like that. I probably would have said, let's let's get the financial security. Obviously, we think you could make a little more. I didn't think he'd make double. And then I didn't, I, I think that the most shocking part about making double is he's been well worth every penny and then some. Yeah. And one of the funniest things I was looking at Nick's Twitter after the win was that he is severely underpaid. And that it's was crazy. He is though. Best yeah. contract in the NBA in the NBA right now. I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, there are guys. I mean, obviously, you have the rookie contract guys um, for sure. But in terms of guys on that first extension, this is one of the better ones. Uh, making twenty six million this year, it actually goes down to twenty four point nine next year, and then he has a um, twenty five million dollar player option that he'll. Um, likely decline so you have them for this year you have them for next year and then you you get them on an extension uh after that and the way things are going i don't see why they wouldn't be able to get him on a 40 million dollar a year extension um that both sides would be happy with oh yeah you know how many times has this like song and dance about signing a free agent doesn't go well you had to cite wall clyde frazier in order for you to say like this doesn't really happen to the Knicks often where they get it right. And well, he's think, already the best, best free agent they've ever signed, ever. Well, yes, A. And then B, um, he just so happens to be like, carries himself with such poise. He's he's everything that you want in a player. And I think I just can't get enough of it. And, you know, I kind of bash Thibodeau a little for the uh, playing the guys too late and blowouts kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, you saw him in Boston. They're down 15, 20 with four minutes ago, and he gets injured. And I'm like, well, this is a disaster. And he comes back. He puts up this, you know, he's got 47 points with like two and a half minutes ago, and he's eight of eight from three. And you're like, eh, I wish he had a little more time. You know, they told the timeout. I'm thinking they're taking everybody out. It would have been cool to see him get 50. They leave him in. They leave the whole starters in. And that's the power of Thibodeau now. Now it works in our favor to get this really cool accomplishment. He launches a three. Of course it goes in. He's nine of nine from three. He gets the 50 point and then they take him out. So I thought that was a really cool moment. Good job by Tibbs there. You know, he's he is who he is. And this time I thought it, it resulted in a really cool special moment. Yeah, it was just, it was perfect all around. I'm glad it happened in Phoenix against a good team. A team that beat us at the buzzer a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, anyway. 
on the other side of the spectrum, um, kind of, there's Draymond Green. And Draymond Green helped the Warriors win multiple championships. Draymond Green was a very integral player to their success in the past. Um, now, he has been involved in some incidents this year on the court where he's hurt other players, like most recently against um, the Suns' Justice uh, Nurkic. And um, it was a bizarre play. He says that he was like, I guess, falling down or like the momentum, whatever. It wasn't really that apologetic. Um, but he was suspended by the NBA indefinitely. So you could we could look at it this multiple ways. A lot of the, the conversation has been like, oh, you know, the NBA is sort of doing it player first. Maybe there's something going on with him that we're, we don't know about. Um, and then there's like another line of thinking and like, you know, you really can't have that in the NBA where you have someone who just like gives into these impulses and could like injure a player. You know, I feel like the NBA has injured players. Has injured players, you're right? I've injured players. He has also cost the Warriors in NBA finals and potentially like a championship run last year. Um, when he hurt his own player, Jordan Poole. Um all right, so many different threads. Where do you fall with it? Do you think the indefinite suspension was the right way to go? And B, do you think the Warriors are done? Those are two really great questions. I think the NBA got it right with the indefinite suspension because it sounds like from talking to Steve Kerr, his comments, he's kind of like, this has to change. So if the Warriors are not sticking up for him and saying, no, like this is a one-time thing, it was an accident, this, they're saying this needs to change. So if everyone is telling him this needs to change, then what's the best way to do that? And the best way to do that is what they did, you know, it, with Kyrie Irving, his suspension, the John Moran suspension and saying, hey, you need to clear these barometers to get back on the court. Does that mean these guys are going to change and they're going to be, he's going to be way less aggressive? There's not going to be any more incidents? No, but they have to try. They have to try this thing, especially if I'm the Warriors and I'm saying we can't count on you to play because he's just never around. He's never around. Like it's been so many suspensions now and he is making like he's on a four year, $100 million deal that he just started a couple months ago. Got three years and $78 million after this season. He's 34 years old. This is this is rough. This is really bad. And for that reason, I think the Warriors are done. I mean, I think Clay does not is not an impact player anymore. They're also in a very difficult position where he's like, I deserve to be paid a new 30, 40 million dollar a year deal based on my accolades. I've taken less money in the past. I should be rewarded for that. They're at an all-time NBA you know, luxury tax threshold. Andrew Wiggins has kind of gone back to being Minnesota Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> what do you do there? You just paid him. You know, all these young players you brought in, whether it's Wiseman who you traded, Kaminga, Moody, none of them look like impact players either. And these were all lottery picks. And so you haven't drafted well. You have Draymond's situation blowing up after you just paid him. You have to figure out what to do with Clay. You can't replace Clay financially. 
it's it's a mess and it sucks problem. because Steph Curry is still a superstar, right? But Steph Curry can't be relied on to put up 40 a game. And even if he was, you, you're missing Draymond's defense. You're missing Draymond on offense. That Steph Draymond pick and roll is unreal. It can't be stopped. And now, what are you going to do now? You're kind of just hoping that Steph can just hit eight threes every game. And yeah. it's just not sustainable. No, you're right. It's not sustainable. And I think the saddest part is that you you sort of miss out on giving Curry another chance for a finals run um, unless he gets traded, which I don't think he's going to ever get And there's really nothing you could do about Clay. Or, like, here's the thing, though, with with players who take less money, there's always that risk in that your your franchise may not pay you back or give you the love back. I also don't agree he's been underpaid. Like, he just – he signed a five-year max – after tearing the ACL in the finals and he barely played the last few years. Like, is that really underpaid? <laughs> but that's the, that's the talk. And that's the conversation around clay. That first deal was underpaid. I kind of, I deferred shots to Steph. I could have had my own team and now they're old. And I don't really see where the young player, like, unless Moody takes a huge step forward or now Kaminga, who's really got his first huge opportunity he's ever had in Golden State, can he put up numbers? If he can be good, maybe they can flip Kaminga, Moody, and something for a player. I don't know who that player is. You know, Chris Paul has shown that he's old. Like, this has been really the first year where Chris Paul doesn't really look like a scorer. Um, It's tough, like, like Clay Thompson, just like 16 a game, 40% from the floor. He's still shooting it well from three. 36% is is average. He's still average from three, but he doesn't play any defense anymore. And I don't really see how this improves on a new contract. He's going to be 34 in April. Yeah. I think the Warriors are – that window is like close to very, very shut unless they do the things that you've mentioned. And even that seems like a really difficult, well, it, it kind of makes sense why Bob Myers left. Right. Like I think he knew when Rome was collapsing and kind of just like said, okay, not my problem. Well, it's amazing. Cause he was talking on TV to Charles Barkley the other day. I don't know if you heard this. And yeah. Charles Barkley just said, Hey, just amazing job getting off that sinking ship. And he was like, Hey, I got a lot of friends who work there. And Charles said, well, you'll see them very soon. <laughs> so, it's, you know, this is a disaster. It's it's really bad. And the only reason why I wouldn't completely shut the door is we shut the door two years ago. And then they ended up winning the NBA finals. So, well, I don't think I don't think we shut. We door. shut the door because Draymond was looking old. Clay was hurt. Uh, Wiggins was inconsistent. And then Wiggins took a new level. Clay came back and was solid. Draymond came back and was better than solid. And you Steph could argue that Steph. you could argue that Wiggins was like the best, the second best, best player. Best, second best player that finals run, yeah. But like, I don't know what happened with Wiggins last year. Obviously, there was some stuff off the court. Uh, he never explained that, right? Never explained it. Uh, there's been rumors. 
we don't really know, but he's averaging 12 points a game on 41% from the floor, 26% from three after, uh, you know, a career high last year, nearly 40%. It's been rough. And I don't really see how this team improves. Like, I, I just don't get it. And, you know, it's crazy to think, you know, they traded Jordan Poole, right? And Jordan Poole has been a disaster in Washington. Like, that's that looks already like a contract they're going to have to give up assets to get rid of. And the, things could be worse. Like, they could have been worse if they kept him around, too. So it's it's just crazy to think where this team is. And I don't really see how they can pull this thing out because it's not like they're going to trade Clay. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if that big player comes available, it's not like they're going to use Clay's money to trade a salary dump. Like they're not going to move on from clay. So I don't like in terms of a trade. So I don't really see how they can improve the team unless they're going to trade Wiggins money and they kind of need Wiggins to bounce back. So I, I just don't see it this year. It doesn't mean they can't find a way to come back in future, but I just don't see it this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of like big things involved with, with the Warriors in the future and it's tough, but just to switch gears a little bit on in in regard to future um and another team that's potentially in trouble the cavaliers the cavaliers have two players who are going to be injured for uh who are going to be out for an extended period of the time period of time um they have garland who um uh, i think it's a uh, i forget what injury is but he's gonna be out for a few Fractured weeks jaw. Fractured jaw what are the chances and um Mobley's getting knee surgery he's out two months Arthur Scrapp yeah yes so anyway I think it begs the question now like what do the Cavaliers do I think the moment they hit a losing streak I think they're going to look to trade Donovan Mitchell um and obviously the Knicks are going to be one of the suitors I think probably the Nets and the Heat are also will be as well um where do you fall on this getting Donovan Mitchell now. Do you think the Knicks should just wait to the off season? What do you think? It's a really tough question because what is the price for Donovan Mitchell? If you had to ask me right now, I would assume the price for Donovan Mitchell is pretty much what the Cavaliers gave up to get him, which is multiple first round picks Mm -hmm. and a couple of interesting young players. Um, The issue is quickly doesn't make any money. Grimes doesn't make any money. So what are you packaging to get Mitchell? Is it, it's, it's Fournier. It's going to be Barrett. Fournier and Barrett. Yeah. So like, and I don't want to trade Barrett. And all of a sudden, if you go without Barrett and you're a Brunson Mitchell front, a backcourt, that's probably one of the better backcourts offensively in the entire NBA. But I think it's very similar to what has been going on with Cleveland, which is they're undersized back there and you are missing a three who can guard wings and be a spot-up shooter and you're really relying on Hart, DiVincenzo, and Grimes who are all really shooting guards to play up and I just think it creates a new hole so if the Knicks can find a way to get this done without trading Barrett even if it costs multiple first-round picks more I think it's worth it if I'm the Cavs, I'm going to hold on to him. I, I don't think it really makes sense to move him now because everyone knows you're desperate. See how this plays out. Maybe Mitchell, in theory, could carry you for a month or two until these guys come back. He's done it before. Could he average 32 a game for a month 
and get them to a slightly above 500 record? Absolutely. Like they still have Jared Allen there. Um, I don't hate this bench with guys like Struess, uh, who are you know now not on the bench, right? With with the injuries, it's a really tough decision. Um, I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's not really interested in signing long term there. Does does him? It's it's not the same situation as the Carmelo thing a couple ten years ago because Carmelo is openly saying I'm going to New York, whereas Mitchell, if he gets traded to Miami, I would I would be very surprised if he didn't resign there. If he gets traded to Brooklyn, I would be very surprised if he didn't resign there. So like somebody's gonna have to go get him, and I think the Knicks, I think the Nets, I think Miami, and I would say probably the sleeper in all this is the Oklahoma City Thunder because they look ahead of schedule. I know you're rolling your eyes at me. That's okay. That's okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder are top four seed right now. They have an elite top seven player in SGA. There's questions about what's going on with Giddy. You know, shooting-wise, he's been bad. Off the field, it sounds like it's been bad. Could you go get a new guard? Can you go bring in a new guy? They have more assets to trade then the Knicks, then the Nets, then the Heat, probably combined. So if they want to win that bidding war, they could win that bidding war without really breaking a sweat. Well, so, does, does Donovan Mitchell want to go to another small market team, though, for the third time? I don't think he would, but he's under contract for a year and a half. And in theory, if they can make a long playoff run this year, and then a longer playoff run next year when they all get acclimated. Maybe they bring in another guy, you know, a SGA, Chet, Dort. But in theory, but in theory why, why would, I mean, I know Donovan Mitchell wouldn't necessarily have a choice, but why would Donovan Mitchell want to stay in a conference that's tougher in another small market? And I think he wants to win. I think he's he's never really made a run. There's never been a run. Cleveland, he had a really nice 50-win season. They got bounced by the Knicks in the first round. Utah, first or second round every year. They make a second round this year, and they go to a Western Conference Finals next year, both of which, to me, are very doable with him under helm. I would not be surprised if he resigned there. Paul George resigned there and said, get me out after a year. I don't see why it couldn't be different with Mitchell, where he goes, Let, let's take a chance on this. Um and that's why if you're the Knicks, you got to go get him. This is not a situation like last year where you said they'll come back to us, especially with Cleveland. Like part of the reason Cleveland's in the situation they're in is because of the Knicks and because they got bounced so badly in the first round where we went from Twin Towers, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. This works. This is fun. They're young guys. They, they're going to get better too. This doesn't work. We're not sure if either one of them can be a featured big and now Mitchell's wondering if there's a future in Cleveland. And that part of that is because of the Knicks. And so I think there's a little bit of animosity, especially with how the Knicks and Cleveland were pretty much the final two finalists for Mitchell the first time. I think there's a little animosity there. And I would not be surprised if the Knicks needed to have the best offer to go get Donovan Mitchell. It's not going to be a, we're going to let Donovan kind of pick his spot, like the Harden situation or the Ben Simmons situation or the Harden situation again. So It'll be fascinating to see how this plays out, but I don't think the Cavs are going to be bad enough where they're going to be like, okay, let's let's pack up shop, let's let's get this going. And the Garland 
Mobley injuries as of now don't seem like they're long-term enough where it's going to literally destroy their season. So I think they're going to hold on to them. The hope, if you're a Knicks fan, is they have another first-rounded out season, and then they wind up saying, we can't let this guy go for nothing. We're going to move him in the offseason. I'm I'm of a similar like belief as you, but I just the fear that Donovan Mitchell won't fit defensively does like boggle my mind. Offensively, you could probably keep up with anybody in the league. I'm less concerned with that if you can keep Barrett. If you can keep Barrett and he's your three, I feel a lot more comfortable with it than if you're losing Barrett and you're playing three undersized guys at the three, an undersized guy at the two in Mitchell, and an undersized guy at the one in Brunson. And I think Thibodeau is so important to this organization. He's so involved in the organization. I don't think he'd let that happen. Like, I really don't think they would let that happen, especially knowing what they know now. Like, we have a whole few months. Like, we were talking about this in the, in the winter, and I feel like, or I'm sorry, in the summer, the off season, and we kind of know way more about that fit now than we did then. So I don't think they'd let that happen, and we'll see how it plays out. I I still think, I still think if he gets traded this year, he's going to be a Miami Heat. They're due. I think, I think Miami is to me that presents the biggest challenge, and it, frankly, it makes the most sense. Because like I don't think Cleveland wants to take a huge step back, and if they can't get Barrett from New York, I think yeah, they'd be happy with Tyler Hero. Oh, Tyler Hero. I and then Tyler Hero is an upgrade for Miami. I'm sorry. Mitchell's an upgrade over Hero in Miami. If you're Cleveland, you still get a guy in, in Hero who doesn't make you take a huge step back. They can use more shooting. They're going to get more picks out of it. They can use those picks to go convince themselves. They can go find a three somewhere. I think that's probably the one I'd be nervous about. I think you probably have to ask for Vasquez too, no? Yeah. And you, and you probably get him. Yeah, that'll yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. I mean Hakez, he's good. He's gonna make all rookie first team if right now. He's that good. It's crazy. And like I was I looking mean, at high school highlights of him. He's an amazing dunker too. Go look at him at UCLA. He was he helped carry them to the final four two years ago. And then last year he had a, a kind of a down year. He was injured. He falls to yeah. like 17 in the draft. You know, like, ah, oh, he's a he's an older college player. What are you gonna do with that? One of the more productive guys in the league as a rookie. Straight up buckets. All right, Chris, uh, some good stuff there. Uh, obviously, we both hope Donovan Mitchell comes to New York, but there could be many teams involved. Uh, anything else you have for the show? Let's get to our final thoughts. Now let's go to final thoughts, Stevie. Yeah, so uh, I would say here, the Detroit Pistons, they lost 22 in a row, including a really bad loss to the Sixers where they lost by 32 on Friday night. They were 2-1, and one, Chris. And then they lost 22 straight. They have Monty Williams making the most money of any NBA coach. Um, they won't play Jaden Ivey. I don't really understand why. His numbers look up from last year in limited minutes. They've lost 22 in a row, and you're not playing your last year top five pick who looks good in flashes. So I don't really understand what's happening there. Um, Chris, I got their schedule up, okay? So... Uh, Saturday night, they're in Milwaukee. Monday, at Atlanta. Then they're home for the Jazz. Uh, in Brooklyn, then uh, it's a home-and-home home with Brooklyn. Then they have in Boston, and then home for the Raptors at Houston, at Utah. That rounds out the year. 
when does this losing streak end? Keep in mind the all-time losing streak, Chris, is 26 in a row, tied by two teams, the 2010-11 Cavs and the 2013-14 Philadelphia 76ers when tanking became a word in the dictionary. So, Chris, when does the streak end? Do they break the record? Four away. Uh I think they'll probably sneak a win either against the Hawks or against the Pistons coming up. Uh, I think what you usually see is that these teams try extra, extra hard to not be part of history in that way. So I'm pretty confident they'll get a win out of those two teams. And if not, then there's no hope. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm rooting for history. I think it's fun. Uh, not for them, obviously, but not maybe for uh, not for them. <laughs> it's fun for us. Uh, but I'm going to say they're going to break, they're going to get that win during that home and home with the Nets. I think, uh, you know, they're on the road for the first one, home for the second one. So uh, in theory, if they win the second one, they would tie the record at 26 in a row, not break it. And I think right now, if you ask them, they would sign up for that right now. <laughs> I think they'll, I think they can beat the Jazz. Uh, the Hawks are awesome. The Hawks are also like not playing so well recently. And like, I feel like I could totally see the, the Hawks losing against the Pistons. And and then the Hawks will have a, a come to Jesus moment where, like, what do we do with this franchise? So actually, I'm rooting for that more than anything else. The, the Hawks are just so ugly to watch. It's your turn, my turn with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. It's been two years, two coaches, and they still have no idea how to play together. Galen Johnson looked good. He got hurt. The Col- the John Collins thing, they gave up on him, and it looks like they were right to do that, but they also don't look better without him. It's They have the, the two centers, Okongwu and Capella, and he probably should be playing more Okongwu at this point because he's the young lottery pick who looks good, and they just paid Capella, so they're not doing that. And it just it's just a mess of a roster. There's a lot of talent here, and it just doesn't none of it fits. We all know it doesn't fit. They know it doesn't fit, and they don't seem to want to blow it up. Yeah, it's tough, dude. I don't I, I don't know what to do with the Hawks. I mean, I think you start by trading Trey, but like, are you gonna get a good value for Trey anywhere? No. I guess DeJounte Murray is the next step. And they just paid him. And they just paid him. And they just paid him. He's probably, he's, he got for the show, Chris? He, you know what? He's a guy who would actually make a lot of sense next to Garland. Yeah. But I don't think Mitchell makes a lot of sense next to Trey. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, I, I, was, no thinking, way. I was I wasn't even thinking of Donovan Mitchell, but you're right. He makes no sense next to Trey. No. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Mitchell stuff plays out. I don't think there's going to be a move, but these things happen quickly in the NBA, as we very well know. It's a, it's a drama-filled league, and we love every moment of it. So, uh-huh. Anything else you got, Chris? No, that's it, bud. I think uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of this uh, West Coast trip for the Knicks, and then um, curious to see what happens with Dr- Draymond Green, as we talked about earlier. And um, Oh, actually – do you have any reflections on the in-season tournament actually before we go i mean the lakers the lakers have shown that they can be an elite team when they need to be they looked great during this whole tournament run uh they beat the pacers in a very fun competitive second half uh i don't like people criticizing them for celebrating the in-season tournament why wouldn't you celebrate the in-season tournament you just made 500 grand um 
you know, it's another accomplishment for LeBron's legacy. He looked great. Anthony Davis, who has been criticized for basically five years, he looked as good as he's looked in an LA uniform. Why yeah. wouldn't we celebrate that? And I think like these expectations for the Lakers that they're like supposed to be better than everybody else and it's like championship or bust and we don't care about these little things like these these in tournament i don't know why you would think that way like this is a cool accomplishment they're the first ever nba in-season tournament champs and as the years go on i think there'll be more appreciation for this especially when lebron is retired and we go wait a second this guy put up forty-two thousand points he won four rings on three different teams and he won the first ever in-season tournament. And I think that'll be part of that legacy. I really do. You know what's the other thing that bugs me about, like, the people who are criticizing it? Like, it's actually a really good thing that the Lakers were the first ones to win it. Exactly. Yeah. It, gives it, it gives it a certain allure to it. If, like, the Pacers won, it's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but who kind of cares? It would be more, like, good for them kind of thing. Where And, like, they should celebrate Whereas- it as the Pacers. Whereas, like, the Lakers do it, it gives it a little bit more, like, mystique. Validity, yeah. Validity, yeah, validity. Um, I really loved it. I think I had a really good time watching that game in particular. I thought Halliburton was incredible. Um, I felt like the crowd wasn't there, but, like, it was fine. The crowd wasn't there. Um, I would, I would want to see this again. I would I would want the another in-season tournament again. Um, I yeah. just think it was tough with the double the double header in the second uh, in the semifinals, right? You have one game at two o'clock Las Vegas time, one at you know five five thirty. You don't know who's playing in it. It's it's tough to get people invested, get people to go to the game, fly to Vegas, pay a lot of money for tickets. Um, it seems like that Bucks Pacers semifinal game, you could hear literally everything that Willie, uh, you know, they were saying during the game. And I was like, what's going on with this? Is it like they're giving like mic'd up things? No, just there's nobody in the in the arena. And yeah. then the uh, the second game with the Lakers Pelicans felt more lively because it was a Laker one. And everyone's like, oh, we'll just take a quick flight to Vegas. But it still wasn't packed. It still wasn't a, a big crowd. And I think as the years go on, they'll figure out a way to make the schedule more condensed like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And that way, everyone kind of knows, okay, here's when the games are. We should go, you know, that kind of like, maybe we'll go one of these times. It'll be fun. Should they make an East Coast location and a West Coast location? Or should I like they- the Vegas thing. I think as long as Vegas doesn't have an NBA team, they'll keep it in Vegas. And then 2030, when we have a Las Vegas team, headlined by LeBron. Las Vegas cards. Owner, player, yeah. Hopefully player owner, but it'll probably be this owner at that point uh, then you'll probably make a, a new location maybe a new market you want to test you know maybe new mexico something along those lines uh you know they're they're they have the the g league team there and they seem to be wanting to test that market maybe that's a place you can make a new nba hub when vegas has their own team true uh just wanted in closing to mention the clippers who have a six game winning streak so they could be back. James Harden be looking back. They're the going to play against the Knicks next. So, absolutely. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you to our watchers thank on you, YouTube. Steve. 
Thank you to our listeners on Spotify and Apple. We'll be back next week to talk more NBA action. Bye, everyone. 